Good morning, everybody. So good to see you here. Um, I want to take just a, a moment and thank uh, James Dearman for being here last weekend and just uh, ministering to you guys. Uh, if you if you ever in in the summertime you know uh, hear of us having different uh, pastors in different places, we do a summer rotation. And um, so just just an opportunity for you guys to hear uh, a, a new voice and for our campuses to have some diversity over the summer months. And so uh, James was here and I was in Heber Springs uh, speaking there. And so I just want to thank him and Kamani for taking such good care of you. So I'm going to continue um, this morning to uh, teach a series, Be Like Jesus. Uh, when I've been here this summer, this is what I've been doing. And so um, I, I know when, when the speakers come, it's different, but uh, I'm going to continue this until I'm done with it. So um, that's where, where I want to head this morning. But before we do that, I just want to pray over us and uh, give God thanks for, um, for what he's up to. And so, God, we love you. Thank you. You. For the people of God, thank you for this great family of faith that we all get to be a part of. And Lord, I, I always feel when we come together, Lord, that it, it's like a family just sitting down at a, at a table preparing for meal, and and we're just glad to see each other and glad to uh, to catch up some. And and there's just such camaraderie among us, and I'm thankful for that. And I pray today, God, that you would let us listen well, let, let me speak well, uh, let me communicate the things that you've put on my heart this week. And um, I just give you thanks, God, that you're moving among us, that you're not a God of history, that you're not ancient, that you're not um, over, but Lord, you're very much alive in us. And so I just give you all the praise for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, I want to take you to Isaiah chapter 54 this morning. If you got your Bible, you can go there or you can follow on the screen or on your iPad so that you may want to make some notes or whatnot. Um, but Isaiah, basically just a, a quick history, it's, it's a very prophetic book. And so he's going to speak out of these few verses today um, with, with just some strong statement. And you got to hear that from, from your heart um, as, as it relates to just he's prophesying over the pe people of God. So this is not a New Testament story recapping what happened. Um, it's not a parable. Uh, this is a very strong declaration toward God's people, and uh, that's where I want to take us this morning. So let's go to Isaiah chapter 54. I'm going to read verses 1 through 3 this morning. This is what it says. Sing, O barren woman. You who never bore a child, burst into song, shout for joy, you who were never in labor. Because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Now he's going to transition just a little bit, verse 2. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. So again, a very, very prophetic declaration over the people of God. And I want to just kind of set this up a little bit. The very first verse is basically God saying this. I see you, and I see what you've been praying over, and I've got something going on behind the scenes that you don't even know about. And so he's telling this, this, 
this group of people basically rejoice in things that you're not holding yet. Sing and have joy over things that you have not held in your hands or seen with your physical eyes. That I'm up to something, I've heard you, I believe in you, I value you. And I want to set this up really good because there may be some of you in this building and right now that's exactly where you are. You've, you've prayed for something, you've believed for something, nothing physical has manifested but yet it's in you, like you want to see it happen, and, and maybe it's, it's, it's those midnight whisperings, and you're just kind of talking to God, and you're, and you're just kind of whispering to yourself, man, this would be so great if my life could somehow make a turn in this particular place, and I want you to know that, that the Lord hears you, and he sees you, and he knows what's going on, and this is what he's singing and, and saying over the people of of God is to rejoice right now in what you don't have, okay? And then he goes on in, in uh, verses 2 and 3, and he tells them this, and this is how I'm going to tie this in to be like, like Jesus. He tells them, I want you to enlarge your, your, your tent. I want you to pick up your stakes. I want you to lengthen your cords. I want this to be a, a season of strength. I, I want you to grow and stretch. Whatever it is that you feel like you've got, I want you to expand it. And I feel like this is a constant theme throughout Scripture. As a matter of fact, anything that God is involved in grows. Anything that's even handed over to God grows because it's in His character that whatever he puts his hand on, whatever he speaks life to, it grows. Whether it's, it's your marriage, whether it's your career, it's your personal relationship to him, whatever you put into his care, you're putting into the hands of the expert. And he knows the answer. He knows how to take it to the next level. And so this is a huge theme throughout Scripture, is if you will just continue to be in me, then your life is going to expand, and he's calling all of us to that. I think he's speaking to every church, not, not just ours. That's why we pray over other churches in our community, because we really believe that when we are in God, he's going to expand it. So every church in our community is going to be expanding our homes, our personal lives, our finances, our career are going to be expanding as we continue to hand them over to the Father. So whether it's about the fruit in your life, or the faith in your life, the gifts of the Spirit in your life, whatever you hand over to God is going to grow. When Jesus came, the first thing that he did was not to start discussing his death on the contrary, what he started doing was getting involved in the lives of people, okay? Matter of fact, I want to explain something that we've derailed on because this was a very big part of Jesus' ministry. And so today, the temptation, and I know I'm stereotyping here, but the temptation is that the local church as a whole has all of these components, but they're in the wrong spot. And so our culture today typically um, responds this way. We will look at a group of people or a sect of people or a whole community, a whole town of people and say, here's how, how this works. Change your behavior and then you will know God 
And then because you've changed and you know God, then you can be one of us. You can come into community. So if you will clean up and you will surrender your life to Christ, then you will look like someone and feel like someone who we're comfortable being with, and then you can come into community. Okay, now we know all three of those dynamics do play out, but when you look at the life of Jesus, his approach was completely different. Now, I don't have time, but revisit the New Testament for yourself and see how he worked this out. But this is what he, he would do. He started off by saying this, just be in community with me. Come hang out with me. When he looked at the fishermen on the shore, he said, hey, come and follow me. Come spend some time. Come hang out. Come be with me. And then somewhere along this journey, you're going to believe in me. He even taught them, you believe in God, believe also in me. And so he taught them this. And then after you've believed, then your life is going to start transforming. And your behaviors, your thoughts, your actions are going to change to be like Jesus. And this is the way we've got to begin to see this. And this is why, as a church, we strive to create an environment that anyone can come in. You can invite anyone, any family member, any coworker, anybody you want to come into this place and be in community. Because that's how it all starts, is come and just get to know me. And after that, somewhere along the journey, belief sets, sets in. So again, chapter 54, verse 1, God is at work behind the scenes. Verse 2, God is challenging his people to stretch themselves. And that's where I want to spend my time this morning. The problem with a challenge like Isaiah has given here, with enlarging and stretching and lengthening, um, is, is, is that we are very comfortable with where we are and how we are. We've created pockets of comfort in our lives, and we like them. We are habitual people. We are systematic people. We are creatures of habit. We like the same things to be done the same way. A lot of you um, this morning, you already knew. Nobody's even said anything in your family, but you know where you're going to go eat this afternoon. And not only that, you know what you're going to order there because you order the same thing every time you go there. There's a 100 items on the, on the menu, but you go there for the one thing. And you've got 40 restaurants, and you've got 40 meals. And those are the same 40 that you're always going to eat. You're not going to change much. You're not going to mix it up much because that's what, what you do. Some of y'all don't know this about David, but David... When I'm picking on him because I, I love him a little bit. But <clears throat> when he eats, he eats one thing at a time. How weird is that? That's the guy leading us in worship every week. So if he gets a hamburger and fries, if he eats the fries first, he's got to eat them all. And then he'll eat his burger. Why is that? Because he's weird. Okay? We're creatures of, of habit. And we are very comfortable with where we are and how we are. Some of you, maybe a lot of you, in this room, you do not like growth. Okay? I'm going to add a, add a synonym there. Change. You don't like it. Your house has been decorated the same way for 20 years. 
The couch has not been moved. It's the same couch. It's the same thing. When you put your shoes up in the closet, they go to the same spot. It is, it is exactly the way you want it, the way you left it. Uh, I had some coworkers one time, when they wanted to irritate me, they would go to my desk and rearrange the top of it. It just bothered me to no, no end because I got my stuff, my piles, my things where I want them. We're creatures like that. When I was a teenager, I hit a growth spurt, and it was very uncomfortable. I wore knee braces under my jeans because my knees were aching so badly during that, that time frame. It's like I just needed the, the support. Because sometimes growth, even though it's good and even though it's inevitable, it hurts. It's painful. Sometimes to look at our, our lives and you look at where Jesus is and he's saying, hey, I, I want you to be like me in this area. And to be like me in this area, this in your life has to go. This has to go so that you're more like me. And we look at that and we're like, but Lord, I'm really comfortable where I'm at. I like this. Keep in mind, when Peter got out of the boat and walked on water, there were other people who decided, I think I'm going to stay right here in the boat. Okay, we always leave those guys out because Peter is the hero. But there were some other guys there who said, I'm not going anywhere. If he wants me, he can come to me. This boat is nice. It's dry. I'm not getting out there. I know what happens. Uh, I think I'm going to stay put. And that's typically the attitude of the local church. And the believer is this is just who I am, and I'm very comfortable with that, and I don't want to change it. Okay? And so the aging process for a lot of people even is terrifying, even just aging, the physical aging process, because we don't like change. It's like we pick a moment in time and we say, that's the person I want to look like for the rest of my life. Somewhere in, in your 20s, you know, you were, you were slim and fit and healthy and, and you, you know, you, you, all your hair was the same color. And you said, this is the way I want my life to be. And now one of you, maybe several of you, you get one gray hair. You run down to Benjamin's and say, fix this up for me. Panic. I remember my grandmother... She was a Pentecostal lady, and she had really long hair, and she would roll it up and put it up with bobby pins. At night, it took her like an hour to take it down because it had so many bobby pins in it. She would walk around the house. I remember as a kid, I'd stay over there sometimes. She would walk around the house. You'd see her. She'd be scratching her head, looking around, looking through things. and You'd listen closely. and be like, What's going on with her? And she would say, where, where are my teeth? And it would freak me out. I'd go home and I'd ask my dad, how does someone lose their teeth? I mean, seriously. True story, in May, I, I went to see my, my nephew graduate from Bentonville High and went up there and sat down with, with my dad and he turned around and looked at me and he was missing a front tooth. I said, Dad, how, how'd you lose that tooth? And he said, no, I was mowing the yard. And I, I said, I mean, like, like you, you hit a tree limb? And I, no, I was just driving along, fell out. Okay. We went to get, get pictures made. You know, we are staying there, and he took a piece of gum, wadded it up, and stuffed it in the hole. That's country right there, y'all. For those of you who are in, in your 50s, this is the next page for you. Don't mow your yard. Pay somebody to do it because your teeth are going to fall out, I guess. 
The resistance for growth and change can often keep us from experiencing God's best. Now, I want to be very careful here and walk lightly while still teaching truth. I do not believe that if you are not just, I mean, right absolutely in the sweet spot of your life with God, that, that then you're under a curse. I don't believe that at all. But I do believe that we often miss God's best for our lives because we don't like coming out of comfort. I mean, we're, we're, still, we're still wanting to live righteously and do the right things, but, but we're not really chasing after being like Christ. And because of that, we're missing out on the best life. And so I want to say it this way, that great assignment is due to great alignment. All right? And I want you to imagine with me for just a minute that, that like your will is here. Like you got things you want to do. And there's a lot of flexibility in that because we get to choose what we want to do. And we live in a country which provides freedoms for us to do that. Where I want to go to work. Do I want to go back to school? How many kids do I want to have? Who do I want to marry? Where do I want to go to church, etc. And so we got all these ways that we can move and shift and shape our lives. And over here is the will of God. And we know from Scripture that God looks at us and he's got a plan. It goes on to say that even our steps are ordered of God. That if we will get in, in, his, in, in alignment with him, our steps, all we got to do is walk it out by faith and he's already laid the next one in front of us. But what happens is this. We, we take, I want you to imagine a rope tethered over here to your will. You pick that rope up and you come this way and you pick up the rope that's tethered to God's will and you and you try to get them together. You try to tie a knot in it so that somehow you can coexist in that. And it, it won't work. It never works. You can't serve two masters. And so the imagery I, I want to give you is like, like a trapeze artist. Don't you think in, in terms of, of, of that? If you ever watch a trapeze artist, there is a, is a very specific time when you let go of one and grab the other. And that's how our spiritual walk is. We have to let go of our will and attach ourselves totally and completely to the will of God. Does that mean that we're not using our own minds and free will? No, but it means that we're using it within His alignment. It's in total surrender of God. You are in the driver's seat of everything in my life. That I'm not just playing like a, a Christian. I want to be a Christian. I don't want to just say all the right stuff and quote some scripture and throw a 20 in, in the offering plate. I want to truly be like Jesus. And so I am coming all the way over here, and I'm asking you to be in the driver's seat of my marriage, my career, my friendships, my future, you already controlled my, my past, you've forgiven it. I want to be totally and completely in you. I want to let go of everything else, and I want to be totally involved in you. Great assignment is due to great alignment. But here's, here's, here's the thing. We are tied emotionally to our tent. We're tied emotionally to who we are and where we are and the things that we, that we are. Okay, now this is what I love about our, our church. is that we have a lot 
of theological differences in this room. But we're all here worshiping God together. We're all on the same journey. And my job is not to convince you to believe 100% the way I believe and view Scripture. It's to simply preach it, let you hear from God for yourself, and, and, and live it out as you and God see fit. I gave up a long time ago. It's the reason why I left a specific denomination is because I got tired of convincing people to try to believe a certain way, and it was almost like the underlying statement was, and if you can't believe like this, you're never going to belong here. And I don't like that at all. I don't like the way it feels to me. I think it's fantastic that, that some of you, you know, were in here and, and your whole thing was to sing hymns and light a candle and, and pray a certain way and read a certain thing. And, and, and some of you, you come from a background that, that, that was very strict and, and straight and, and maybe charismatic background. And, and so you're very exuberant. And some of you are like, I'm not raising my hands because somebody told me I can't. And, 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 then, and then some of you are like, I'm going to heaven because I can, that's what I was taught. And here's, here's where all of that, that lands is when we really lay all that stuff down, all that dogma and all that man-made theology, and we just come back to the simplicity of going, I just want to be like Jesus, and that's it. I'm not out to appease my upbringing. I'm not out to appease a parent. I'm not out to appease a certain movement. I just want to be like Jesus. Then that means that cute and, and tightly sealed and well-organized part of our lives has to be stretched. And we got to let go of some things. And we got to welcome some things. we got to say, Jesus, I, I, I want to be who you want me to be. What do you see when you see me, Lord? I don't know if you've ever sold a home. And I don't know if you've ever cried when you pulled out of the driveway for the last time. If you did, here's why. Because you're emotionally tied. Not, not to the brick and mortar but to the experiences that took place within it. Maybe you raised your kids there. Maybe it was the first home you moved into after you got married. I don't know what it, what it, it was, but we tie ourselves. It's a representation of the personal experience. This is why parents cry when their kids leave home, when they go to college, even though they, they know we're about to buy an RV and tour the U.S. in it, we don't care that you're with us or not. It's change, and they cry over the expansion, the turning of, of the page. And our spirituality, we, we often have, have this happen sometimes, and we, we spend hours and hours making our physical homes what, what we want them to be. We decorate them nicely. We manicure lawns. We, we, we make sure it represents well. It's a, it's, it's, it's a manifestation of who we are, our, our own personality type. David, I'll often go to his home to pick him up or something, and he'll come to mine. Sometimes when I'm over at his house, I will tell him, David, 
If I lived here, I would cut down that big cedar tree in your front yard, sucking all this water out of your yard. Your grass is dying right there. I'd cut that thing down. And I'll go back over in a month, and that tree is still there. Why? Because it's his house. I don't get a vote on what to do with that cedar tree. And so it's the same thing with us. You get to do what you want to do. Paul even tells us, you have the freedom to do whatever you want to do. So I'm not sure about the last time you were stretched, but it's not very comfortable. And so we tend to do what most people do. We do nothing. We coast. We coast. I remember one Christmas, we we bought Riley this little tent, little play tent. And uh, Christmas Eve, we, we always, you know, would pile certain presents, and those, those were from Santa. That only lasted about a year because she called us out on it, and we couldn't lie about it. Like, is a man really sneaking into the house at night? You know, if you're a kid in here, I'm sorry. I may have just ruined something for you. Yes, there's a man that sneaks into the house at night. There you go. And so there's this tent. Robbie does her thing with it. She fixes it up. It's got pillows in it and some of her favorite little toys in it. She's trying to communicate. This is what you can do with a tent. You can go in there. It's like your own little world, and you can have fun and imagine things. And She loved it. We put it in her playroom, and she curled up in it and watched movies. And One night, I go back there, and she's in this tent, and everything. her whole body's in there except for her legs. And they won't fit anymore. It's her long legs sticking out. I said, it may be time to get rid of this tent. No, I don't want to get rid of the tent. I'll just bend my knees and my legs and squeeze them all up in here. And spiritually, we do the same thing. Physically, we're growing. But spiritually, we have delay. And I want you to think about this. Stay with me. Sometimes we come to a knowledge of God as children. And so, let's say at 10 years of age, you, you, you decide, I want, I want to follow Jesus. And you pray, you dedicate your heart to God, you're water baptized, and your body continues to grow, and here you are at 40. And at 40, I mean, you've, hopefully you've, you're in this place where you've, you feel like you finally got something. I mean, you're married, you got a couple of kids, you Finally got some money in savings, you got a mortgage, you got responsibility, you're, you're trying to move up in, in your, your job or, or be creative enough to start a business. You're, just, you're in that, that mode of provision. And physically, you're growing, but spiritually, you're the same 10-year-old who was water baptized 30 years ago. And that's all your church experience was. It it started and ended in the same spot. And you've never gone back and challenged yourself or stretched yourself, enlarged, made the tent bigger, grown. You haven't looked at yourself really hard. And so church for you was just like a thing. It it was just an experience for you. And so if we're going to be followers of Jesus, we got to be comfortable with change and growth because church is who we are, not what we do. 
Okay, church is who we are, not what we do. The tendency is this. When you live your life as a spiritual 10-year-old, church becomes something you do. And it's not who you are. It's just something else on a checklist. So we come in, we punch in, we do our thing, we clock out, and that's what church was. And that's not what church is. Church is something that we have in us. It's our DNA. It's who we are. And if you think about this, and I told you guys this when we were at at the carpet store, this building is not church. You're the church. And where you are, that's where our church is. Where you go, I go. Where I go, you go. We're the same family, same team, different backgrounds, and it's beautiful. We're a Heinz 57 church. We're a gumbo of, 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 of people. Some of y'all are getting hungry right now. But we're a gumbo of belief, but we choose to be together. And whether it's in a nice building like this or an old carpet store or out in a field somewhere, if we come together, the Scripture says, there he will be also. It's why our early church planters, some of them, All they had was a barn. And if you read those stories, they'd come in, throw sawdust on the floor to try to make it a presentable place for people. They'd sit on milking stools and anything else that they could find. Why? Because they just wanted to be together. It was who they were. It wasn't something that they did. And this is why in, in our church culture, and we're trying to be very, very careful with this, that, that we want to teach for you to serve, for you to give financially, because it solidifies your ownership of this thing. And if we're not careful, it turns into this very unhealthy, unhealthy culture that, that says, hey, if you're not going to serve, fine. Just give a bunch of money in the offering. We'll pay staff to take it up, and you'll have six paid people doing church, and everybody else will just come in and experience it and leave. We're not going to do that because it robs you of getting to be a part of the body of Christ. And that's why we say, do something. Give something. I want you to fill it in your wallet because it means you own it. You're part of it. That you, 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 take, you take ownership of it. And I never want us to just go, well, here's five people. Thank you for paying all of these people to do the work of the ministry. No, no. All of us together are the church. It's not something that we're just doing who we are. And God is calling us to personally expand and be like like Jesus. I don't know if you remember your first introduction to prayer. I do. The first introduction to prayer went something like this. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die, Before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. It's almost like, good night, Mom, I'll see you in the morning. Maybe. Come on, y'all are slower than the 9 o'clock crowd, and y'all had an extra pot of coffee. 
We taught our kids this. I didn't teach my kid this because it's creepy. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take what's going to happen tonight. And for some, we look at that and we go, I don't want to expand that. I don't want to grow on that. For some, we don't lift our hands in worship because someone told you not to. For some, there's some things about church you go, I'm not doing that because that's not. Somebody told me that that, 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 that couldn't be done. Listen, can we just stop all that and go after Jesus? Can we just stop all that and just be like him, just chase him? Let me give you a thought on that. I've told you this before, but I want to share it again because it's relevant to this. My parents had a, had a Mercury Grand Marquis. And it was 45 feet of silver and tinted windows and the same length as a school bus, you know. Pretty sure it had a sticker on the back that said, if you can't see my rearview mirrors, I can't see you. So long. Occasionally, I'd, I'd have to drive it. If I had a car, it wasn't working. I'd ask them if I could drive it. And when I did, I always called it my ghetto sled, drive around in it. It had two huge captain's chairs in the front and a bench seat in the back, and it'd comfortably seat 11 people. It was uh, preferred by the modern mob because you could easily get five bodies in the uh, trunk easily. And it, it didn't have heated seats. It wasn't that, that fancy, but the seats had like a, like a velvet, and you added that to the movement of your denim jeans. There was no problem, the friction keeping you warm, no need for a heated seat. And they don't make the marquee anymore. And the only ones you see now are relics. Most of them are in terrible shape. And here's why. Their time has passed. It's over. And a lot of times, as believers, you can see God that same way. And this is a terrible thing happening in our culture right now. People are looking at the story of God. The story of Jesus, and they look at it like it's a grand marquee. It was great for a time. Jesus was great for the first century church. The Holy Spirit was great through the book of Acts. But it's all a grand marquee now. It's, just, it's not as attached to us as it was them. And it, it had its time. It was good, but it's, it's not cool anymore. Nobody wants one. Nobody's driving one. The ones who do don't want it. And we somehow get this really skewed view of God in our lives right now doing something. But what I know about God's Word is this. When it speaks, it goes to every living generation. And so He's still saying to us to sing over the desolate places in our lives, to enlarge and expand, to lengthen our cords, to stretch our curtains wide. And we can't continue 
to look at God as if he's an old model of, of a, a car and just come in and clock in and clock out. But we've got to shake ourselves out of that sleep and slumber and go back to the, to the pursuit, the innocent pursuit of following Jesus. Not because somebody told us this or that, but because it's in our heart, man, to go after the Lord, to be like him. All right. Let me end with this. I'm late on time. So how do I embrace this? How do I embrace enlarging, stretching, lengthening, strengthening? Well, the text says that desolate places are going to be inhabited because of that. In other words, places in you that are now empty are going to be full because of your willingness to step out in faith. And I want you to hear that, that this morning. Because there could be some of you right now this morning who, when you lay this over the grid of your life, you really feel there are places in me that are empty and broken, that have gone unfixed and unchanged for so long, it's normal to me. It's like just a problem that's now just part of me. Some of you, you're, you're 40, 50 years old, but your spiritual man is 10. And Jesus is still saying, come on, come follow me. I said this two weeks ago, but you can't judge your progress off someone else's process. You can't look. We're all on this journey together, but we're all in different places. And so you've got to hear, hear me, and then I'm closing with this. You've got to hear what God is wanting to do in your life for yourself. You've got to hear with spiritual ears. It can't be what God wants to do for your wife or even for your kids. You've got to hear him. Lord, how do I need to be more like Jesus? I want us to grow. I'm not speaking in numbers this morning. I want us to grow as the people of God. I want your spirit man to catch up with your physical man and supersede him. That the strongest part of your existence is your spirit. And that you know what God is wanting to do in you. Okay? I want you to bow your heads with me this morning.